Hello and welcome to A Vague Idea. This is a comedy trivia podcast. I'm Nate Regolia. Each week we subject our guests to a list of topics to find out if they have a vague idea. And this week we're going to talk about something that I honestly probably completely confused with advertising. We're talking about marketing. So we'll see if I know what I'm doing at all. <laughs> with us uh, this, this week for this wonderful show, we have one returning guest. He is a podcast host, podcast guest slash sidekick, mm -hmm. a taste bud of the it's highest and most flavorful order. Your pop filters own Mike Gravano. Mike, welcome back. Thank you, Nate. It's so lovely to see your face and the brandy you're sipping on, as always. Uh, yeah, you know what? Third time, long time. Happy to be back. I'm the most intimidated I've been on this show, and I'm ready to dive in and try to win. I thought I was the most intimidated this week, so I feel really fortunate that I might be slightly less intimidated. But I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm... Should we should we fight to figure out who's most intimidated? Yes. Is that Let's a thing men do? <laughs> which one of us is showing more belly? Ooh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I, I love your luscious locks too. It's uh, they're coming in nice. Or cut, yeah. It is uh, uh, the guest you're about to introduce does not like the luscious locks, but you know what? We keep it safe in this household, and I have not had a haircut in almost a year. That's that's very smart. I've been doing all of my haircutting at home, which um, it looks I mean, good. so your hair has some real some real action to it. it it's curling, yeah. it's waving, it's got some kink. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have such straight hair that it really doesn't matter. Like. I'm sure everything on top is uneven and, and just as choppy as someone would have intentionally done in the uh, late 90s. Two things are working for you. That, yeah, it, it falls at such that it looks very intentional and good. You can't tell if it's uneven. And uh, the office is still so big and streaming that if it gets a little messy, you're just doing the Jim Halpert and you got that vibe and that smirk and people love it. Oh, yeah. I And I'm constantly looking at people and just like, come on, what? Come on, come on, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great time. With us is a, a brand new guest. She has eight years of marketing experience and uh, she is also the grand anointed betrothee of our first guest. Welcome to the show, Renee Floyd. Oh, thank you so much, Nate. I'm just really excited to have this opportunity to maybe embarrass my husband in front of an audience, whereas you know, for the last eight months, it's just been in a vacuum, you know, say for our dog. So I'm really excited to just have some laughs uh, oh, yeah. on, on account of his uh, ineptitude. So thank you. We have been, it's like the 1950s where all of the sort of spousal embarrassment has to happen behind closed doors mm -hmm. for this entire year. And that is, that is a tragedy for all of us. It really is. This is the modern age. This is the 21st century. We should move beyond that. Yeah. It should be on public on the front lawn. <laughs> like that. That's why I'm intimidated, Nate, is uh, my, my, Wife is very competitive. Oh, good. And, uh, even if she's losing, she acts like she's winning. And I didn't grow up that way. Again, I'm a belly shower, so I don't know how to handle it. <laughs> You're like, yep, well, you got me again. No, that's not enough. <laughs> I will destroy you. Grovel. So, And, and yeah, Renee, your, your locks are also luscious AF. So, uh, oh, thank you. Good. Also have not gotten a, a trim, nay, a redesign of my hair since uh february mm -hmm. maybe yeah. so yeah it's it's been quite a long time my dog is very upset that she constantly eats my hair off of the ground 
Oh, I mean, that's, that is a serious, that is a serious dog issue of this year is like our, our Corgi, especially because he's so like prone to licking the, the rug and stuff for, for food morsels that yeah, just pulls up a, a lot of hairs ends up just, you know, you get those, you get those string poops. That's all oh. I'm going to say. Oh yeah. We're going to chase the it. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and then you got to, he's, he, and he won't let me help him ever. So if he's just got one sitting there, I try to do it. He's just spinning around trying to bite me. It is miserable and embarrassing in public, which is the game. way our relationship should be in 2020, almost 2021. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about marketing. So uh, thank you both. And you both work in that very industry. So isn't that exciting? Um, you're the only two who do, as far as I understand it, though my, my knowledge base is limited. No, it's yeah, true. It, we own the industry. Great. Yeah. yeah. I'm Ogilvy. She's the other big one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm Thor of marketing land. I love yeah, it. You know that yeah. historic traditional agency, Thor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so for the opening question, I just want to jump right into this because this episode is going to be a mix of marketing and advertising, partially because... I don't think I actually know the difference. I think it's like conveyance versus conveyed. I think that marketing mm. is the, the way that it happens and advertising is the thing that happens. Yes, but, love but, the way you describe that. Uh, so, hey, great. I already, good. Okay, well, I win the show. We'll just stop <laughs> um, So, So I guess my question for both of you is, what do you perceive the, the main differences to be? And which one do you honestly think is better? Hmm. When take yeah. Oh, happy to. So I, yeah, I think that you're on the right track. Definitely with like, there's a difference between the, the sort of concept and the nuts and bolts of what we're doing. So I think the concept falls more in the marketing domain where we're trying to persuade people to think or feel a certain way. It's very, it's, it's very Mad Men. I mean, if anybody has watched AMC's golden era Mad Men show, it is John Hamm, you know, in his element, convincing people to buy a can of baked beans because it's going to make them feel like they're more in tune with their family. Um, and that is the concept that we're trying to get across that like there's something intrinsic about a product and you need to have it in your lives. Whereas advertising is more about the mechanisms by which we like deploy that message so like are we doing it across tv across the internet across social media like what have you like there's so many different channels by which we can share that message with you um so i think those are the two really big factions of what we do okay so yes you're talking about you're talking about really the 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 selling of of emotion the the uh trying to trying to create the sense of an experience through yeah, material. absolutely. Marketing is is really just one of the many methods of human persuasion that exists out there. And it, it happens to end up with a end result of dollars earned for whatever company or product you're, you know, you're peddling, but it's, it's so intrinsic to how humans interact with each other, where we're trying to convince each other that something is worth their time or their money. Right on. Mike, anything to add? Yeah. Oh, what do you think? I don't want to start a fight immediately but (laughs) what do you want to say uh i think part of why it's confusing is because advertising marketing were the same thing until about 20 years ago when people went these computers might be able to help us i think renee was completely right on how she described them but it is flipped 
And that's why it feels rude to say, but uh, I think, of, and then maybe it's different. Maybe it's like uh, geek and nerd, depending on where you grew up, they mean the opposite things. Soda and, one and pop. Not, soda and pop. Uh, <laughs> but in, in, in my career, in my experience, and we do have parallel ones, but differences, advertising is that Coca-Cola is about family and marketing is, are you using Adobe's platform to get there? Are you using uh, Experian to do your resolution or whatever it is? Uh, so right definitions, wrong words, but I, who knows? Okay. So, so right. You're, I'm right. You're positing that, that <laughs> advertising is the, the Coca-Cola polar bears. Right. Because an ad agency is, is all about like, what campaign are we doing? Right. Right. Versus like a marketing firm is like, how are we tracking on Salesforce? Like, so okay. that is my argument, my proof of my argument. All right. Renee, counterpoint. Wow. I, I feel this is amazing. I'm amazed that we've been married for two plus years and that we have not like broached this subject. Uh, but we have some fighting to do after this, after this podcast. I know that the um, second and a half anniversary is the arguing over your profession's anniversary traditionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes paper, cotton, arguing over your yeah. <laughs> location. What yeah. I do know, I will add to this conversation. Here's what I do know. Neither Mike nor I have formally studied the subject no. of marketing in school. We Neither both fell ass us... backwards into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We both fell ass backwards into it. I was a film major. Mike was a major of many subjects. I'm not going to list them all. It would take too long. Um, so we have not actually come out of any kind of formal higher ed training on the subject of digital marketing or even marketing. So it actually doesn't surprise me that much that we have polar opposite views on the very, you know, basic fundamentals of the subject. And the thing about us, we're both going to dig in our heels, never look it up and fight for the next 30 years about it. (laughs) The show is called a vague idea also. (laughs) So I'm not going to look it up either. Because this is vague enough for me. Yeah, this uh, isn't research until facts. And yeah, I feel like I feel like marketing. Just as a little aside, I feel like marketing is the the creative person's fall in career of our generation, right? Oh, where it's like uh, maybe maybe back in Faulkner's day, you would have been a security guard at a at a pea cannery. But <laughs> these days, if you want to write a novel, you're going to be doing marketing during the day. And that starts with John Grisham did that. He, he oh. was a, uh, a marketer. He was a copywriter for most of his, like the first chunk of his books, uh, probably like the first five, 10 years of him writing books. And then he was like, wait, Runaway Jury's doing pretty well. Cusack just played him in the movie. Maybe I can do this full time. But, and then after that, all of us uh, want to be Bohemians. We're like, I'll get paid to write and I'll yeah. feel fulfilled. And then you get in there and you're like, oh, this is crippling imprisoning. And then we all saw Rent and went, oh, yeah, we're actually not going to be able to live anywhere, anywhere that we want to. So I guess we better get jobs. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Dark times. Wow. Rent came out. It's a bad movie. (laughs) Great job on the opening question. I'm awarding each of you two points. Thank you. And we're going to jump into round number one. Mike, do you have a vague idea about MLM? MLM is, uh, it's so insane that it, is legal so it is multi-level marketing it's uh what's the famous one it's the the, the make the makeup and tupperware i'm gonna talk until i remember the names uh we're, we're the old school one where it's like the traditional event is like a housewife who's out there working has a bunch of friends over for jello and as she's like it's not just a party look how great this tupperware is and like 
smashes her baby's head against the Tupperware and neither breaks. She's like, see, you gotta buy it. And then if she gets two friends to start selling it, she gets a cut and the person ahead of her gets a cut. Uh, mostly I know this because my first job out of high school was working for Cutco Knives. Oh yeah. Uh, this is the door-to-door knife salesman because what's better than a stranger with a tie coming into your house with a bunch of blades. Uh, and it's we all the, saw the, Kill Bill, it's fine. <laughs> the whole big sell is these scissors cut pennies, which we all need. Has this yeah. ever happened to you and you're trying to cut a penny and it's just slicing your own hand open? Of course, you don't tell anybody that pennies don't contain any actual copper in them. So cutting no. zinc isn't that impressive. It's not, but we've all ahead. done it. Uh, <laughs> my first sale legit uh, while doing a, there's also you try to cut leather with a steak knife. Uh, I slip my hand open, put it behind my back, did the rest of the sale with my hand just pooling with blood and then went, and can I please get a Band-Aid after the guy filled out all the paperwork? Uh, and then my mom said, okay, now get a real job. So I stopped doing that. You and should have been selling was... uh, wet dry backs at the same time. You could have cleaned that stain right up right while up. it's oh. been like, hey, look, See, you got blood key. on your carpet. <laughs> Do both. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's very cult-like. And uh, now it's, it's transitioned to, are you on Facebook? And you're like cousin from... I don't want to like besmirch the South, but your cousin from Alabama is always like, I got the next get rich quick scheme. Cause we've forgotten that get rich quick is a der- derogatory remark. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Renee, anything to add about MLM? Oh boy. Do I ever have things to add on this subject? Multi-level <laughs> marketing, AKA pyramid schemes. They are, I, I might regret this later. Cause I might find out, Oh my God, this is exactly what I'm doing in my current job. But I'm not going to say what that current job is or the company is. So forget about that. But it is certainly um, preying on the most vulnerable emotions of whoever you're trying to sell to by, I think Mike really captured it well, where it's very cult-like. It's, it's preying on vulnerabilities. It's pe- preying on, you know, fears about your health or about the, you know, the people around you. It's, and I've actually almost, well, someone tried to rope me into a pyramid scheme or a multi-level marketing scheme uh, about a year ago when right. it was, it was after I had my very first mammogram. So I'm a woman. I have boobs. Nice. People with boobs get mammograms. Yeah. Um, and yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, we got to make sure our boobs are not like cancerous orbs hanging off the front of our bodies. <laughs> so um, I had one and I shared a story about it on social media. And this person that I worked with years ago, who I haven't talked to in maybe five years, um, reached out to me and said, hey, I saw your story. Like I would love, I've really researched this topic. I would love to talk to you about it more and just want to see how you're doing. Can we talk on this day at this exact time, Eastern standard time? And I was like, oh, that's sort of weird. And then we ended up getting on the phone. Like I was super open to it. Yeah. We got on the phone and he like was just showering with me, me with all this praise and saying that like, I was so brave. And like, he always thought I was a very creative person when we worked together Um, And then before I knew it, he was trying to rope me into this alkaline water, like multi-level marketing company, like trying to recruit me to (laughs) sell this water that he had been recruited to sell because he thought that it was, it was helpful in the, like in in anyone's bout against cancer. Um, Because my, my concerns with getting a mammogram were about breast cancer. It, It runs my family. So he, he like laid all this on the table for me. And I just, was like, wow, it's been so long since I talked to you. You you seem to have very positive feelings about me. Um, Fuck you, go away. (laughs) Yeah. 
there's no way I am getting involved in this alkaline water bullshit. There's like, it's your body so much like, okay, I love medicine, Western medicine, lots of things you should definitely go get done. But drinking a certain type of uh, reverse osmosis water because it's supposed to cure cancer. No, go yeah. away that I'm not buying that shit. And he's got a prominent case against in the form of the guy who used to run Apple computers. It's not going to work kiddo. Yeah. Like don't go with the like, okay, I'm just going to do like steam baths and yogurt and I'll get through it. It doesn't work. Nope. What if you use steam bath in a vat of yogurt? Now we're talking. Oh, see, no one had done that. No, he didn't tell me about that. You got to get through the smell, but then it'll be all right. <laughs> that is that is such the that is the most predatory and disgusting way to try to sell to somebody to reach mm -hmm. out on a personal story and then do that <laughs> slimy weasel your way in thing. Yeah. Um, I did have a couple of things spring to mind from what you were saying. One is. Uh, I think the the thing that I'm most excited about about the potential government breakup of Facebook is that Instagram might be able to be turned into a fast mammogram business. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> just you just press two iPads together and then submit. I think that's it, right? Oh yes. my god, that should work. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then otherwise, Mike, you mentioned the Tupperware thing, and it immediately made me think of the show Erie, Indiana. And I don't know if you watched that ever. It oh, might be shit. a little before like your time. Two thousands? No, urban earlier. That would have been like in the God early nineties. Were one of the Lawrence brothers in that? I don't. Oh, maybe. Or a kid, a moppet who looked like one of. There I was definitely, definitely a Lawrence-looking moppet. There's an episode where there's a woman who's selling the Tupperware, like having those Tupperware parties, and the kid go like breaks into the house because every they're really creepy. Of course, they're, they're, well, yeah, you know. Indiana was like, "Do you want to watch Twin Peaks?" But you're dumb. <laughs> On yeah. ABC this fall. It was it was like Twin Peaks slash Twilight Zone, but we're kind of gonna we're kind of gonna serialize it a little bit more than a Twilight Zone. But yeah, th there's this episode. These the the kid breaks in, finds that this woman and her two twin children are all sleeping in the Tupperware, and it's actually keeping them forever young. They're like oh. it's sealed, like literally That's seals fact, in the freshness. Though. That'll do it. It was an interesting episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I had a, a first job out of college where I answered a sports marketing job opportunity and went to the interview. And the interview consisted of me being dragged around Longmont in the snow in a suit, going door to door to sell people coupons for golf uh, courses. Uh, and I was not allowed to leave until the day was over so i was actually like forced to work against my will for eight hours it's interesting it's love interesting a good stuff. hostage situation job interview yeah yeah that should be illegal can oh, is that illegal yet i mean i god i don't know i'm never answer, I'm, i'll never apply for a job in that in that capacity again though i do think and i like and this is such the american pull yourself up by the bootstraps way i think for your first job nothing is legal because my first job uh, I met Uncle Randy in the parking lot of the Del Taco, Uncle Randy's carpet cleaning service, and I rollerbladed door to door and hung up things and then was paid in cash. Uh, I was 14. My parents were fine with it. Nothing's illegal or too gross for your first job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's the American way. Cheers uh, to that. <laughs> great job on MLMs. You both did excellent. Two points each. I feel you've both suffered enough. Round number two, we'll start with you, Renee. Do you have a vague idea about guerrilla marketing? Oh God, guerrilla marketing. I feel like the term 
not the concept, just the term guerrilla marketing is in the in the way beyond pre-COVID, pre when we could gather or do things as human societies in person. It is from 2005 when you could oh, just like show up in a in a city square and do like a <laughs> yes. yes. And just like bombard, like when I think gorilla, I think bombard. I think that's the yeah. mechanism by which you're getting your point across. And it's like, there's nothing. And then in the next three seconds, there is all of one thing. And that is gorilla marketing. And you just take over something. And maybe it can still happen on Twitter where, you know, the, the milieu of the day still surfaces to the top. But with today's algorithmic-based digital marketing, you know, mediums. Gosh, I don't know so if guerrilla marketing can still really happen. So I, I'm actually curious about what guerrilla marketing tactics are still, you know, succeeding in 2020. The, the only one that I can think of as an example, and I wouldn't say it's succeeding, but it's, there's always a guy holding a sign with all the sins and shit and yelling about the Bible when you leave a baseball stadium or a, a basketball <laughs> game or whatever. And that's guerrilla marketing as far as I think about it in some, in some ways. Mike, what can you add about guerrilla marketing? Yeah, I, I think she, she nailed it. And it's, it's kind of like the precursor to viral marketing. Like 10 years ago, every organization was like, how do we guerrilla market? And now everyone's like, how do we go viral? Like, that's just like, I'm going to do that today. Uh, I think of it as like, so Caesar was the first ape who started thinking like a human, right? And he had to pitch that to the other apes because they had to chill mm -hmm. lives. They were fed, they were watered. And so guerrilla marketing was him going around to all the other monkeys and apes and just like, but what if we were free and got to wear armor? And that was guerrilla marketing. And that's what made Harambe go to the top of the list and made kids think they were sad when he died. I, you know what? I got to say, I like, I like your, your little pun there. That really helped you. You're going to get an extra <laughs> point for that. Um, Guerrilla marketing, as far as Wikipedia's definition is concerned, is an advertisement strategy in which a company uses surprise and or unconventional interactions in order to promote a product or service. So I think this takes the form of, I mean, you could have guerrilla marketing of an MLM where you show up at someone's, like you break into their house with those knives and you're like, <laughs> hey, buy these knives. I'm going to stab you. <laughs> Unless you and buy show them knives. how powerful it is by stabbing through your own hand and be like, see how it didn't catch on Look. any bone? <laughs> it's smooth. The tendons are fine. <laughs> and, I'll, and watch, I'll cut this shoe in half. <laughs> so yeah, uh, great job. Mike, two points. Renee, one point. And now we're going to go into our very first game. It's time to play... A game? Wait, yeah. there's games? Oh, there's games, yeah. I love games. Yay! Well, it's time to play a little game called Recast. And each week for recast, I will present a, a program or film, and each guest gets to recast the two roles that I note. So, Renee, we'll start with you. Oh, We're recasting okay. the show Mad Men, and we've already talked about it. Who would replace John Hamm and Elizabeth Moss in oh. your recasted version of Mad Men? And you can pick anybody from any era. You can pick uh, all the way throughout history. You can make up fictional people who do not yet exist. Just have to make a case for them. Okay, so recasting the roles of John Hamm and Elizabeth Moss. So, you know, we're looking at the powerhouse in the series who then has a very twisted past, twisted future compared with the person who has the very upward trajectory from, you know, secretary to master copyright. Um, that role I adore personally. I think Elizabeth Moss is one of my personal 
um, role models, fictional role models for oh, yeah. working in marketing. Um, she has she yeah, has Peggy, a lot Peggy of tenacity. Peggy is super cool and like such a well written character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I this is such a good question to ask, and my I think my instincts are to actually go to a couple that already exists, and I'm gonna say pre. I, I'm pretty sure that they're on the rocks now if you're up with the celebrity gossip, but um, Olivia Wilde and, um, shoot, what's her husband's name? Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis, ex-husband, oh. sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did, that they- I just found out they broke up. That's very sad. I yeah, know. I know. It is super sad. They've done a lot of really great creative projects together, but I think, you know, prior to their marital, you know, uh, falling out that they would have been really good in the creative, they've done many creative projects together. Um, and I think that Olivia Wilde would have definitely passed as a secretary turned brilliant copyright. And Jason Sudeikis could have passed as a very suave, you know, New York, Manhattan copyright to, or, you know, lead of brand marketing turned, um, life falling apart person <laughs> Sudeikis has that like Sudeikis has that like triple face that's really interesting because he can look goofy as fuck but he can mm-hmm. also be one of, he can be the handsomest guy in the room very exactly. easily oh, yeah. and just and just captivate you I mean I, I miss him so much on SNL because he was so just strong even when uh even with uh, what up with that like that sketch where he'd just come in in a tracksuit and he would just do the running man and that was it <laughs> and it was like I'd laugh every single time he just had it <laughs> it was beautiful what's up with that uh great job that, that's that's a very good pick i think that's very oh, interesting yeah. thank you yeah i think it's about time we reboot mad men anyway it's been about eight years since it's been off the air people I are getting watch bored more of it. nobody has any new ideas right <laughs> all us creatives are too busy making sure old ideas keep going <laughs> um mike how are you going to recast mad men i want to make it new for the kids fuck this 70s 60 shit right uh I think in the Don Draper role, uh, who can play strong, but very, very like morally ambiguous uh, is Regina King. Cause she Ooh. can do no wrong. Uh, and I think she's often, I guess in Watchmen she had like, cause she was violent. She did some like, but she was clear hero. And I want to see her do some like down and dirty. She's a piece of shit stuff. Cause I think we'll love to watch her go through that. And then going way in the past, I think for the Peggy role, uh, a person who is so good at, at being weak and, and stuttery, not knowing what to do, and then slowly owning it is Jimmy Stewart. And I would love to watch Regina King mentor Jimmy Stewart until he is also ruthless and cutthroat. Wow. And they both look killer in suits. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. Like, how does, I mean, how does that dynamic even play? Are we imagining that Jimmy Stewart is, is, has risen to the cultural occasion here and, and, or, or is Jimmy Stewart still kind of, I mean, cause I, I don't know that we know Jimmy Stewart's politics too much, but I feel like he's just, he was, he was an older man in, in the time when all older men were Republicans and he probably- We can was, assume you know. he had beliefs we don't approve of cause he was making films in the forties. Uh, but let's like, what if Jimmy Stewart was like alive now? So I guess who's okay. today's Jimmy Stewart, like John Mulaney? Like if we want to update it. So it's John Mulaney as Jimmy Stewart. Ooh, wow. Ignore gross politics. So layered. Don Mulaney <laughs> as Jimmy Stewart, as Don Draper. No, no, no. As, as, as Peggy. Oh, as Peggy. Regina King is Don Draper. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, man, you are really flipping the script. I'm making it in 2020. It. They're at a digital agency. D A W N uh, Draper. 
Yes, Don uh-huh. Draper, perfect. Yeah. And he's just out of grad school and he's got big ideas. And she's like, look, kid, here's where you got it. He's got like succession 10. Everyone's just eating each other. Percy Gregory Olson goes by PG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. This shit writes itself. Well done. <laughs> I would watch it. I would definitely oh, watch this. Yeah. That, uh, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, great, great work. Three points each. You were both absolutely correct. I can't, I can't find any flaw in either of these castings. I love points. Wait, how many points do I have? I want to know how many points I have. Yeah, right now you have eight points. Oh, okay. good job. How many does Mike have? Mike has nine at present. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's start cooking with gas here. She's Googling how to win more points. <laughs> All right. It, it's time to jump into round number three. And Mike, you get to start. Do you have a vague idea about SEO? Uh, search engine optimization is what my boss constantly screams at me that I need to get better at. And I'm always like, yeah, I mean, it's hard because, you know, you got your organic, you got your paid and uh, we're, we're trying it. We're new strategies. And then I just kind of homer into the bushes until <laughs> she stops asking me how to get better at SEO. Uh, <laughs> one of the, the dangers yeah. of not having the traditional uh, training in marketing is there's terms I know but I, I don't know. You're supposed to do keyword research, but I just Google like, how do I make my topic here do better? Uh, you know, it's a personal failing of mine and I'll try to get better in the new year. All right. Renee, SEO, what can you add? Oh, well, let me tell you, Nate, I really used those 20 seconds when Mike was just like floundering on the floor, like a goldfish who like jumped out of his his fishbowl. Both eyes um, are on the same side of his head too, like a flounder. Oh. Yeah, it's shocking I married him. Um, <laughs> we're not having kids, so it's going to be fine. But so I thought about this for 20 solid mm. seconds. And um, what's so interesting about SEO, and he was right, search engine optimization is what the acronym stands for, is it's changed, it's shifted over the years in the balance between are you trying to optimize toward human behavior or towards algorithmic or robotic behavior? Mm -hmm. And that is the really compelling thing about this part of marketing is that when you are crafting ads, you know, or organic results for some kind of query, like, okay, Nate, what's, what's like the last thing you searched for on Google or on Bing? Let's not forget about Yahoo. That's a Bing. I know. Yeah, I'm a big Jonah Ray fan, so I've been banging it for a long time. Um, I think I probably uh, actually searched for uh, dice for Dungeons and Dragons that are made out of actual like uh, stone. Nice. <laughs> so love it. So, wait, wait, what was your revealing. query then? How how did you write that? How did you type that in the search bar? I think I typed gems, gemstone D and D dice. Gemstone D ampersand. I think I ampersanded. Yeah. Yeah, that nice. sounds like me. Sometimes I do the lowercase n, but I think that I could reliably have done the ampersand this time. Yeah, you're sophisticated. You know, I haven't known you that long, but I also think you would use the ampersand. So I love that. So like gemstone, D&D, dice. Okay. Yeah, so basically there's there's so many ways that you can try to put your own product or service like at the forefront when somebody goes to a search engine and searches for that type of query. And you know, all the search engine, you know, companies, whether it's Google or Bing or some other company I don't know about, sorry that Ask I'm not Jeeves. mentioning you by name. <laughs> is Ask Chief still around? Um, Excite. You know, 
Excite, exactly. They're they're processing like millions of data points to try to figure out what is the most like relevant result for the user. Like what result at the top of page one and you know, you know, results one through six are going to uh, give the best user experience because like they want to offer a strong user experience that what's that's that is what keeps people coming back to a search engine is like mm -hmm. if they get the results they want they come back um, and also do they know about it but which is why things like typing rigged election in leads to people getting what they want which leads to people thinking there's a rigged election but that's oh, a whole yeah. other topic <laughs> oh that's another topic subjective versus objective search queries is a completely new topic but yeah so if you're if you're searching for something like the dnd dice i mean there's there's going to be more reputable links and less reputable links and so it's all about gaming the system to get the most reputable link at the top and you want to make sure that that is your link. So you want to make sure that people are, you know, clicking on your link, get into your site, trusting the information that you provide. And it's definitely a mix of, you know, what is objectively true, like in the human experience and what is perceived to be true in the sort of robotic experience. Like what are people willing to believe to at least to the point where they purchase? And then maybe mm -hmm. after that they realize, oh, this was, a complete bait and switch and you know you recommended this product and it turned out to be very faulty or it, it's not at all what you said it was going to be but at that point it's almost too late like yeah. if you're asking a question the immediate answer needs to satisfy your need and that's what you're going to click on and so that's why search engine optimization is become has been so dynamic with the balance between human needs and robotic needs because sometimes it's just what everyone's surfacing to the top and that's more robotic and sometimes it's what actually happens when a person gets a product or gets a service and they're not necessarily going to share with the world how they experienced it and so it it ends up a little bit fuzzy but that's it, it it's just a constantly changing dynamic and that's why it's so interesting because you're constantly gaming a system, but you're not necessarily sure who you're gaming it toward. Well, and you're also I, kind of writing it at the same time. It sounds like. Oh yeah, you're influencing. It, it's it's not very it's not very good um, scientific you know process because you're gaming the system and influencing the system and trying to observe the system. It's the horse betting of the marketing world. I mm -hmm. think she's got to have it is going to win because she won last time. But I do think it's getting harder and harder to do like the dirty stuff where you're having bad products because there's like black hat SEO where you on the bottom of your page in the same color as your footer, you're writing all the SEO keywords over and over and over again. Now Google's gotten smart enough to be like, wait, fuck you and plummets you on the list because yeah. <laughs> 15 years ago, oh man, you would be number one on that. I, re I remember that was like, that was the old school trick was like, if you wanted to get people to look at your blog, you would just put all of the keywords over and over boops, and over boops, again in like boops, four point boops. font. Yeah. So it would still get, it would still get picked up. Yeah. Great job. We learned a lot. I'm going to give uh, Mike one point and Renee two points. Hey. Oh, booyah. And now it's time for round number four. And Renee, do you have a vague idea about hashtag like a girl? Hashtag like the specific hashtag like a girl. Uh huh. Hashtag like a girl. Well, my first instinct was to say, oh, that's probably related to no doubt, but that's just a girl. So, like a girl, and I'm I'm a girl by some definitions. I mean, <laughs> I I should know what that means. I don't know what that means. All right. No. Well, I mean, you, it, yeah, you. I I assume it's yeah. 
All right. Okay. Wait, let me guess. Okay. Hashtag Grow like something. girl. Okay. It is definitely maybe some campaign that Dove, you know, like Dove moisturizer, body wash, like, you know, that Dove. The chocolate. No. They do it all. Not the same no. Dove. <laughs> no. Do not rub your face in chocolate. You will get a breakout. Okay. Please don't do that. Okay. It would be a rash decision is but, what you're saying? It would be a rash breakout whitehead blackhead decision don't do it okay don't search that because someone's gonna be black hat seoing that shit you don't want to you don't want to see that okay so i'm pretty sure it's dove body wash moisturizer not chocolate who is saying that you should do this because it's gonna make your skin better and that's about all i have okay mike hashtag like a girl yeah, hashtag like a girl. It's uh, I think Lizzo helped popularize it with her song where she went, mama, like a girl, mama, like a girl. Uh, I don't remember the name of the song, but that song. Uh, but it's, you know, fight like a girl, throw like a girl, sweat like a girl. It's taking it back where it used to be insults. And now it's like, no, that's fucking strong. I have a sweater that has uh, Daisy Quake from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that says fight like a girl on it. And I, I think it's, it's just owning it, right? It, it's doing this thing. And it, I, I agree, it did start with a company. I'm going to say secret. Uh, a competitive to Dove, uh, but then has become so much more. It's it's no longer just one company. It's it's blank like a girl to own it. It's it's the lean in for the millennials. Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, the the so she's shaking is, her head at me. <laughs> this is a uh, so the Procter and Gamble owned feminine hygiene brand always always ran God, the campaign it. <laughs> like a girl. Uh, back in 2014 and it was about exactly what mike said it's it's about reclaiming they did research they found out that only 19 percent of women had a positive association with the expression like a girl so they hashtag the shit out of that until everybody uh is now paid an equal amount so we've we fixed it all i think that we clearly did our we did our work um but they used uh they they encouraged uh photo share videos vines you guys remember vine those uh, are the days oh, i know it's very vine. similar to tiktok but i miss vine vine was cute vine had a thing <laughs> vine had a had a constraint across all users that was six seconds that mm-hmm. was the only time you got to tell your story and it was beautiful tiktok you can tell a story across like many 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 seconds it's not the same you need yeah, that constraint no. so yeah so that's that's what like a girl was um yeah, great job. Well, uh, kudos to Dove because I thought that that was a Dove campaign and it was an always campaign. So good job. Yeah, because Dove's Wait, done isn't the... Dove always? Is always a Dove product? Oh God, I don't know. They might both be owned by Procter and Gamble. Yeah, they could both be P&G. Two companies in this whole goddamn country. Yeah. Everything's owned by the same conglomerate. It's man. all Alphabet, NBC, <laughs> Comcast, Universal, <laughs> something, Disney, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, KFC. Oh man. And yeah, it's like just literally put all the food together for me. Stop making me order from separate menus like some sort of monster. (laughs) You can make a double down and put some pizza in between there. Hell yes. I'm ready to die, people. It's been a whole year. Come on. Kill yourself. 2020 has been hard enough. (laughs) Uh, Great job. Mike, two points. Renee, one point. Mm. And it's time to play our second game. It's time to play Fuck, Marry, Kill. Love. <gasps> I love this game for any context. So you both get to decide who you'll fuck, who you'll marry, and who you'll kill from the following three advertising campaigns slash slogans throughout history. All of them happen to be questions as well. So Renee, 
who will you fuck, marry, and kill among Got Milk, Where's the <laughs> Beef, and What's Up? <laughs> oh, God, I love this so much. Okay. Um, got Milk, Where's the Beef, What's Up? So, all right, you know, you know I'm going to fuck What's Up. I mean, who wouldn't fuck What's Up? Like, <laughs> What's Up is just potential. Like, that is all it is. All it is is, like, what are you going to get in the immediate future? And that's why I want to fuck what's up because what's up is like, Hey girl, what you doing tonight? Um, Who doesn't so like yeah. a drunk, crazy hookup? Yeah. It's just like oh, a yeah. booty call. It is literally the you up of the nineties. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Oh my God. I, I, I'll fuck a frog. I'll fuck a frog. <laughs> like, I feel you, like. Do you mean an actual amphibian or someone from France? No, I mean like an actual amphibian. Like okay. what? I, they're they're very lubricated. Mm. Like that's yeah, not a bad thing. Yeah, no, and the poisonous no, ones probably would be tingly, which could be fun. Exactly. If it's poisonous to like other small animals, mm-hmm. it's probably not like fatal to me because I'm bigger. So I am very willing to uh, assume the risks of fucking an amphibian. That's yeah. what I think they it'd say. Be a great time. Venomous for her pleasure. <laughs> That's I'm no a new fucking slogan. stork. I can do this. <laughs> Wait, do we have a, do we have a button for new slogan? That's a new slogan. <laughs> new slogan. <laughs> <laughs> I will yeah, save so- that drop for something. I don't know what. <laughs> Maybe just sh- I'll just listen to it on a loop to go to sleep. <laughs> I love that. So for sure, fucking what's up? Great. And then so this really relates to a, a recent conversation that I've had with Mike, my husband, who is guesting on this podcast. Oh, um, between milk and beef, both. Can, you know, we have sensitive tum-tums. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will tell tell the listeners of this podcast, we have sensitive tum-tums. <laughs> Mike, a little bit more sensitive on the milk side. Me, recently, not so cool or keen on beef. Uh, made me feel a little bit gross. So I'm going to say kill beef. Where's the beef? Uh, in the ground, six, six feet, feet under. Six feet under. Yep, exactly. Nice. And then got milk. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking marry that. I want cheese. I want cream. I have cream in my coffee every morning. It's great. Yeah, I'm ready to hitch my wagon to cream and milk products and then tell beef to fuck off. So that is my final word. Plus, you're doing a service for the environment because cows are the leading producer of methane, which is causing uh, global warming to occur at, at, at a startling rate. <laughs> certainly exactly. not humans, so. And they can, and you know, certain uh, breeds can provide milk, but they don't need to give up their bodies. So I'll take their milk and not their beef. Very good. Mike, who are you gonna fuck? Who are you gonna marry? Who are you gonna kill? I'm gonna kill gut milk right away. One, it destroys me if i have a sip of milk i will in 30 seconds i'll be gone for 45 minutes let's leave it at that um doesn't really stop me but it's so painful so i'd rather have my arch nemesis just go away uh and it seems so fucked up that like what's up is budweiser right it's a company who thought of it and paid for it got milk is just by big milk yeah like just the dairy dairy tried to convince (laughs) us in the 90s that it was actually healthy and I hate how much milk I drank as a kid. There was no water. There was no soda. It was just milk all the time, like some sort of serial killer. Uh, so I'm going to kill that right away. Uh, I'm going to fuck where's the beef because I like the pun. Where's the beef? Probably inside of me. Um, and, and that'd be fun. And then I, I think like a real nice whirlwind Las Vegas style wedding with WhatsApp. Do I think we're going to last 
toward debt or even 10, 20 years? No, but by golly, will that be a two-year roller coaster up and down, hate, fuck, make up sex kind of marriage? And there's nothing I couldn't imagine more that I'd want. All of it before you leave the sands, probably. <laughs> yes. Is it, it's, how long was Britney Spears married again? It was like 18 days or something. Yeah, yeah, two weeks maybe, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, so you could have that with what's up. That seems uh, reasonable. So- Wait, let me, let, let's take a pause. So you are, as the person who is currently married to you, you are willing to marry what's up on the condition that you think you might annul the wedding very you're soon? Not, baby, you're no what's up. You're, you're, a, you're a just do it. You're, you're okay. like the biggest slogan in the world. Okay, aside from that, you're going to marry what's up, which is beer, which you know has fucked you up so yeah, beer much also more hurts my tummy. I can't than dairy. <laughs> Okay, can, can you share maybe one anecdote about your evening with what's up beer, with, with just beer in general? Maybe and, a, a power hour? Annually on the Pop Filter Network, we do have what we call Century of the Year, which is we run down the 100 biggest minutes of uh, the year of pop culture, and we do a shot of beer a minute. It's the Century Club. Uh I stopped drinking beer about 25. So that was nine years ago. We started doing Century of the Year six years ago. So it does hurt me. But I guarantee if I did uh, 100 shots of beer in 100 minutes one night and 100 shots of beer or 100 shots of milk in 100 minutes the next night, that would literally kill me. I would shit myself dehydrated dead versus beer. I'm just like messed up for a couple of days. It, it one, I mean, it sounds absolutely miserable to do that at all. I had a friend uh, after college when I, I, I worked at a kite store in Boulder for a period of time with some wonderful people. Of course people. you did. But Wait, one of the Boulder, guys. Colorado? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. <gasps> it's the kite store is still there. It's called Into the Wind. You should check it out when, when it's mm-hmm. safe to go up there. But I know they're also running a special for the holidays, which won't be applicable to the listeners. But if you want to get a kite uh, shipped in state, it's a good time to order <laughs> Uh, but my, my buddy there, well, he talked about this, this drink that they concocted one night while they were way too drunk called the cement mixer, which was just, uh, I think heavy whipping cream and, Uh. and whiskey together in a shot glass. And just the fact that like you would be swallowing it and it would like congeal Mm -hmm. and, and that's the car bomb. Right. And that's why you have to do it fast because it'll blow up in your throat. Yeah. Yeah. Mary shouldn't be drunk ever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I, and one of my one of my many uh, ponderances about reality is what point in history someone looked at a cow and went, I think I want what the calf is having. See, I'm going to go over there and test that out. Some of the earliest marketing by not cavemen, not not Neanderthal, but Cro-Magnon is that it was a sex thing, got caught, and then he went, no, 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 this is very nutritious for all of us, Cro-Magnon, and then that was the first real marketing. <laughs> So just the the first human being with self-awareness used mm-hmm. that self-awareness to get out of being noted for their bestiality. Yeah. Didn't want to be kink-shamed. <laughs> I think the first marketing Ugh. was was a man dragging back a carcass of a wildebeest to the campsite and going, hey, ladies, you want to cook this. This is your place. Wanna you want to get wild? Yeah. yeah. Want hey 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 ladies want to get willed? <laughs> Cook this for your men. <laughs> oh, and the women just went. I don't know what else to think. All right. 
I assume they drew some cave paintings that that describe the elaborate nature of their feelings about the offering of food and, and the mm. transactional nature of this, because I think at any point, no one's like, hey, cool, let's trade something for sex. We all want to feel like there's some romance involved, I think. What if, what if early cave paintings were actually the very first notes being passed in the middle of class? What if That's, it was meant to be subversive? <laughs> That's oh, yeah. crazy, though, because that means... I need to pass you a note in like sixth grade chem lab and I run up to the board and draw as big as I can. It's all they had. (laughs) Everybody will see it. We don't have the tablets. (laughs) Of course, then they made flat rock that they could chisel. That was the tablets of the cave people's day. Great job on Fuck, Mary Kill. I'm awarding you each three points. I I completely agree with both of you. Uh, I have a real issue with uh milk is something that i that i do like i'm, I'm a fan of cheese cheese actually oh, yeah. weirdly cheese, cheese doesn't bother me ever but um you know uh, ice cream and regular milk real real tipping point i don't i don't even know rightfully where it is honestly a real some, cow you know, tipping point Ooh, yes being that we're in a cow town <laughs> yeah like I don't know. Weird, weird. Because my wife and I will go get milkshakes and stuff sometimes at, at Licks down here or wherever, and it's like, oh great, I'm I'm fine. And then other days it's like, oh no. And I'm sure it's similar to, to Mike's experience. So. Oh no, if I smell it, it's oh no. Oh, you're just boom. But I'll do it. Yeah. I'll fucking do it right now. Oh man, I don't give a shit. <laughs> okay, so the last twenty minutes of the show will just be we're gonna mic the bathroom. We're yeah. gonna hang out. I'll take uh, a fan on so you can't hear anything. The and the got and the got milk thing is so weird. You brought it up. Like all of like the combined force of dairy came after us to tell us that we needed to do this. And they emblazoned milk across the upper lips of almost every famous person possible, meaning yeah. they had so much money that they had like one, they need us so badly to make money, but they have so much money to get us to need them. And that's just one of those weird things about well, and business. this is this is the fascinating thing about marketing is we we think that it applies to these individual products like oh you want me to buy this specific product from this specific brand maybe you know yes or no there's a binary choice to be made about that but there's actually giant coalitions that influence Mm -hmm. our opinions on pork on beef on almond milk on like entire industries like with you know bacon in the 80s there was a surge of marketing dollars that went into marketing bacon as a or pork products in general as like definitely buy these definitely have these as part of your staple other white meat yeah yeah the other white meat meat exactly and to the point where so when you go into the grocery store and like Mike knows that I've shared this but when you go into the grocery store and you look at bacon package in the grocery store what do you see when you look at bacon what do you see it's it's kind of you mean like the way it's splayed out sort of the way the packaging is designed the way the way it is actually packaged the way like it's not completely sealed where you don't see with the contents like what do you see no they they show you individual strips of bacon so that you can imagine what it will cook down to it basically looks like what you want to eat i guess Exactly. But not only do they show you the individual strips, they only show you the meaty part of the strips. They show you the like red, Ah, you know, the red tinted parts of the the more protein packed parts of the strips. And they show you that in a little window in the packaging. 
And that is because they don't, they, there was this yeah. craze in the eighties where it was like, fat is bad. Fat makes you fat. And everyone went, that makes a lot of sense. And I get, it makes Nobody's sense. ever fat eaten makes- fat before me. I'm in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no one ever made, ate fatty nuts. No one ever ate. Yeah, exactly. So they package bacon in such a way that it's only showing you the lean parts of the meat of the slice of the actual animal product so that you look at it and you go, yeah, that looks nutritious. That looks like sustaining. But what they're hiding in their packaging is all of the fat of bacon, which is actually the flavor. That's the part of the bacon that you love and crave, mm-hmm. but they don't show it to you because they know what's going to make you purchase. And so there's such a huge, like, there's such a huge divide between what like you actually want in your body and what is going to make you purchase. And that's like yeah. such an evident like fact in the just the way that they sell bacon and pork products related to that and uh like the most modern example i can think of is brussels sprouts they didn't have like a got milk campaign because brussels sprouts were the punchline of vegetables for 80 years and then like 10 years ago you found them like at the smith in new york and whatever fancy fucking place in in la but it really was the big big bs big brussels sprout went around and went how can we make this sexy and had a concerted effort to make it hip and cool and just drizzled in balsamic vinegar, which helps. Uh, and, but they knew, cause if you went like got Brussels that people would be like, ew, no, because the reputation. So they had to do it on the sly and just put it in hip spots. Also Jean-Claude Van Damme's people would never allow that. No, never. Is he from Brussels? Yeah. He's the muscles from Brussels. That was his, that was That's his a good name. name. Yeah. <laughs> And then he would do the splits and show you his buns. <laughs> um, Renee, I'm going to give you a, a bonus point for your for your bacon education that you just gave me and, and the listeners. So I saw that in your eyes, yeah. which is why I try to talk about Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that, Mike, you are spot on. Like Brussels sprouts are the ampersand hipster restaurant, like appetizer du jour. Mm-hmm. Like any place that's something the duck and, and something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stoic and genuine here trying to think cart and something whatever like all those places it's like hey we got brussels sprouts we put bacon on it we put vinaigrette on it we put whatever on it i just i as part of the last couple of years of like cooking more and cooking a shitload over the last calendar year uh we've eaten a lot of brussels sprouts because i figured out you know what you can do with pretty much any vegetable a little bit of oil uh, salt and pepper and roast it in the oven for 18 minutes and guess what why it tastes there, like better than everything else vegetables like shit I know. Why would they boil out the flavor nutrients? Yeah, it was always just like, great. oh, I steamed broccoli for you. Here, eat uh, that. Do it's you like, hate me, mother? Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to do this? Because I'll, I'll eat it if you make it taste decent. And it doesn't even have to be covered in cheese sauce necessarily. <laughs> great job on Fuck, Mary Kill. And That's what we were playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that seems so long ago. <laughs> so much has happened. <laughs> And now, from the makers of Palm ou Palm de Terre, it's La Chose Française Arbitraire. That's the arbitrary French thing. And the only thing that's French about it is the name. <laughs> so I have a question for both of you. Michael, I'll start with you. Do you see marketing as beneficial to the capitalistic economic systems concept of open competition or not? And why? Is it beneficial to the capitalist systems? Say that. I'm sorry. Say it again so that you get it right. Yeah. Do you see marketing as beneficial to the capitalist economic systems concept of open competition or not? And why? Most definitely. Uh, as an anti-capitalist, but I do live here, uh, so I have to, you know, participate in society. Uh, 
it's definitely beneficial, which is not saying I think it's inherently good, even though it is my chosen vacation. Uh, but ever since there was a lemonade stand and another kid made a lemonade stand across the street and said, the lemonade that won't kill you. I think marketing is very important because you have to make noise and you have to get out there. It, it, and the, the, like, the more connected we get, the harder it is to stand out and the harder it is to just be like, people will find it. And so I think marketing is so clutch, is a linchpin in uh, the evil engine we call capitalism. Great. Uh, Renee, what do you think? Yeah, so I have some very simplistic takes on this topic. One is in capitalism, money wins and repetition wins. So in a, in a mechanism like that, marketing is really poised to just fly, like just reach for the skies. So if you're able to spend boundless amounts of money and you are able to repeat your message to people over and over and over, then yes, it's going to be very beneficial to capitalism that you can repeat a message repeatedly. That was a little bit redundant. I'm going to repeat that. That's <laughs> Thank you. I didn't catch it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, it's, it's, it certainly fuels, uh, fuels the engines of capitalism if you can just r- repeat it constantly. So yeah, I'm, I, I don't have a lot of contrary opinions to pose aside from Mike. Well, yeah, it's because companies don't do digital ads because they think somebody will buy it re- right then. Like that's a bonus, but it's, you're getting used to their name there's like brand-based ads just so like now I've seen that and I trust it. It's the same reason like your, your favorite band comes out with a new album and you hate it at first, but the more you listen to it, you like it. It's our, our brains are dumb and like repetition. It's why Coke still does commercials. They're the biggest fucking soda pop in the world. They do commercials all the time. So you're thinking about it. It's not to get new users. It's so you're always like, Oh, Coke, they're like family. Everything. Don Draper told us one thing. Everything is like family. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it. I mean, I think it's really interesting. I, as as the as the non in marketing person, I mean, my my sense is that what Renee said is is huge. That as far as open competition is concerned, if you've got money and you have the means to repeat your message, marketing actually keeps you allows you to keep competition from interceding. Right? Mm-hmm. Like if I if 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 the three of us sat down and said, let's start a cola company tomorrow. We've got the best tasting thing, and we have no money. We literally have like a, a vat to to create a new cola. How are we going to get it to market? Um, we don't really have a way to enter that marketplace. Right. Not super easily. And it's not solely because of marketing. I mean, there's a lot of other uh, machinations that are that are connected to that. But it's it's like, yeah, it's just it's it's really interesting thinking about the extent to which marketing actually directly affects the way we think. And I think we talked about this at the top of the show that it is about manipulating people's behaviors and manipulating oh, yeah. the way people feel. So I often find myself thinking, especially um, given that I think all three of us are probably on the, the left end of the spectrum politically, that people who talk about freedom uh, as it is as emblazoned across Mike's ball cap, <laughs> but when they talk about freedom on the right end of the political spectrum, they tend to completely ignore the fact that we're actually not free at all because we make decisions based on the stuff that's sort of ingrained in us from youth, whether right. it is like oh, well, Coors is a beer brand. And if I want cheap beer, I should buy Coors or, you know, uh, Coca-Cola exists. And therefore I should do that. Or like Disney makes me feel warm, even though it's not necessarily a one-to-one. It's just very interesting. Yeah. There's a huge difference between structures and campaigns and Mm -hmm. campaigns do a lot of work to undermine or to counteract structures 
which say like, for example, the Coors is a great example. Coors lately has been doing this huge campaign about, um, you know, a lot of, I think funds about like, if you basically, if you buy a pack of Coors seltzer, hard seltzer, these, these are the ads I've been getting. Mm-hmm. If you buy a pack of Coors hard seltzer, part of the proceeds are going to go to preserving rivers and lakes and like wildlife in native Colorado, which we live in Colorado. I love that. Like it certainly starts to persuade me to purchase Coors um, and I haven't tried their hard seltzer yet. So I'm like, oh, maybe it might be good. Um, but if you like, t- if you zoom out and take a look at Coors or like macro breweries, like macro beer brewers on the whole, like, are they actually acting in the interest of you or of ecology or of anything that you actually care about? It's very rare that they're going to be pure of heart at that macro level, but the micro level at the campaign level, sure. They're going to tell you that they are in your interest and that if you buy their product, like you're going to feel good and you're going to be like helping a cause, but it's so rare that those two, the micro and the macro efforts actually align. And that is like such a big part of marketing is that it can completely change the message of a brand, even if the brand's intents don't change. Well, yeah, I mean, BP just gave a bunch of money for the environment, right? <laughs> like, right. Like, and it's like, hey, it's, 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 you, it's you Tim Robinson it. in the hot dog costume saying, we're all trying to look for the guy who did this. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's, 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 I mean, that this is why marketing is, you know, magical and evil is Tom's shoes made us feel good, right? It's one yeah. for one. But the amount of uh, environmental resources that are damaged uh, to get that pair of shoes to that kid who might not need shoes because they don't do that kind of research, they, they might need uh, money to farm. Uh, so it's right. that kind of shit. Most of the one-to-one things are horse shit, but that's what we glommed on to because we all like slacktivism more than actual effort or like yeah. data-driven help. I mean, it's a, it's a real problem in, in nonprofits too, because I've known, I, I, you know, no naming names, but I mean, I've known, I've known nonprofits to sit, to have ideas like we need to get computers into the mountains of Peru. These people are not connected mm-hmm. to the internet. And to your point, Mike, it's like, they don't need that. They get a bag of rice a week from the government and that's all they're surviving with. They need utilities. They need, they need things like plumbing and sanitation right they need they need actual stuff to allow them to live better not a computer that they go i don't actually i don't have electricity like what the fuck am right. i gonna do with this mm-hmm. thanks so but much we're for the thought. but we feel good because we're like well we mm-hmm. gave them a 500 hundred dollar thing it's very important and it's, it's like but that's i need a computer work. they probably need computer <laughs> yeah yeah no well, that's exactly it there's a huge disconnect between what we think we need as consumers and what we think people need as receivers uh, to your point about macro versus micro intentions and things too. I mean, I, I can only think about the whole Make America Great Again campaign, right? Which is designed to make people think that on a micro level that Donald Trump, say, gives a shit about them or the Republican <laughs> Party gives a shit about them. When in reality, all of their practices do the exact opposite. They don't function to do anything for them, but you get to feel like you're part of an in-group that mm-hmm. is improving a situation based on empty rhetoric, basically. That's why he's a genius, right? And it, it sucks to say that, but he's a genius. And, and that, that slogan is genius because it's so vague. People, yeah. the, 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 the deplorables, uh, they, they're like, yeah, we should make America great again. But if you investigate it at all, it, it's the, when was that? What do you mean? Who was it great for? 
Right. How is it affect like, but it's just this vague and it, like, it's so what you don't want to make America great. Like it is like such a cyclical thing. Like, how do you argue that you don't want to make it great again? Yeah. And uh, the whole, and the whole phrase, the four words, you can emphasize each of the four words completely differently and take your own meaning out of it. Make America great yeah. again. There's the making part. Well, I, I'm, I make things with my hands. I'm not some liberal pussy who just sits around complaining about things on their computer. <laughs> I build things, right? And yeah, I mean, and then it's concept of America, concept of greatness, concept mm -hmm. of again, like, obviously, it's not good now, because we wouldn't say again, if it was already good, you know, all that stuff, which I'm not going to argue that it is or ever has been great, because it hasn't. And I think that's the big not. takeaway we should have <laughs> is that it's always been a slurry of, uh, you know, white male privilege run amok. And, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's America is built on great marketing. Yeah, it's yeah. we talk about equality and equity. And then they're like, well, look at that message. And then just hide all the trash below that message. Well, exactly. As, as with every faction of marketing, the truth is in the fine print. And America <laughs> has relied heavily on its fine print. Oh, yeah. I mean, we did a, we did a show a while back about goddesses where we talked about Columbia, the, the goddess of the United States, right? Who was, she was created by- America a, has a goddess? Yeah, yeah. Oh my like, god, what's uh, her Instagram? I want to follow her. <laughs> oh, is it Kim Kardashian? It's Kim, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. well, okay. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, that whole idea was was this, this the idea that well, of course, America is built on these high minded values, and and never never will she shake from that, and never has she. And it's like, no, actually, we've always talked a big game. Like the entire Constitution mm -hmm. is talking a big game, and that's and, and it's beautiful to talk a big game, but we got to back it up. Yeah, it's great to point up Babe Ruth style at name high, but the difference is Babe actually hit that high and America has literally never hit as high as the constitution points. Right. Well, yeah, and, and there's the difference of time. Like hundred, like centuries ago, we were ambitious and that was admirable. And now that we're in the, very much in the trenches of ex execution and we have not executed, now is the time to be disappointed in ourselves. And there's yeah. just so, a huge faction of people who are like, no, we actually did great. And you're like, no, your reality is fucking stupid. And we have not done great. <laughs> like yeah. maybe for you, do you know that there are people aside from you and people that look like you? Even the yous aren't doing well because the, how they pay out the ass for medical things. This is still about marketing listeners. Yeah. No, I mean, to, to your point, it's like, it's, it's really, it's great to be a really thoughtful backseat driver. But when you age into driving, if you keep crashing into shit, you didn't learn a goddamn thing about what you were preaching the whole time. Nate. French. <laughs> Great job on la chose francais arbitraire. I think we had a very French discussion anyway. Um, so two points each. And uh, guys, we're, we're coming into the final topic. So there's two things we got to talk about. One, you are tied at 17 points each. <gasps> Again. And second, that this this is for all the marbles, which literally happens on this show because I will be sending cash on delivery a 2,400 pound bag of marbles to the winner, which I guess is going to be your house either way. Yeah, no matter uh, what, so we're going to be drowning the marbles. Enjoy dealing with that mess. You know, assuming that you decide to pay. I mean, I don't know. The guy might stand outside your door with some knives for a little while if you don't pay. I, I, don't, I don't contract Wait. the delivery people directly. The award is we have to pay for marbles? Yeah, it's for all the marbles. I thought there were free marbles to add to my collection. No, you think I'm, I'm not made of marbles. 
Mike, we don't need any more marbles. That's true. I got my we have a plenty marbles. of marbles. I think we had an in-depth conversation about marbles and how you play last time I was on because Ryan didn't know it was a real game. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah oh, we you did. were not a poor kid. We talked about that. Yeah. And then I tried to remember what the big one's called, and I still can't remember. We the call smasher? it the slammer of the marbles. Okay, yeah, it's the slammer of the marbles. Yeah, the that works. Yeah. <laughs> so it's time for the final topic. And uh, as you both know, yeah, this is this is it. One of you is going to win. One of you is going to lose. Unless I decide to make it a tie. And then you guys will just have to sort your relationship problems out the old-fashioned way. No, don't ask me no what that tie. means. <laughs> I don't care if it's... I, I would rather have me lose than a tie. Let's Ooh, wow. decide this. Bold. Bold remarks. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to start with, uh, with Mike. Mike. Yes. Do you have a vague idea about at Wendy's Roasts? I have the vaguest of ideas of at Wendy's roast. Wendy's was one of the first uh, like real entities that people, you know, quote unquote respected to get Twitter. And they're like, what if our company had an actual personality, not just like our market research. We say this is what we do, but we're all still corporate. And they just decided to be a Wendy is a person and she's sassy as hell and will roast the shit out of people on Twitter and like claps back at other restaurants clapbacks at people who like wendy's uh and yeah it's other other companies have since been like oh that's pretty smart what if we were talk to people like people which is the whole point of twitter right yeah so uh yeah i think at wendy's roasts uh is all all the times wendy's has hurt people with words <laughs> great yeah that's very good very good renee what can you add about at wendy's um, roasts i'm honestly surprised that wendy's doesn't have a roast chicken like dish on their menu because they are so good at roasting. Um, I think that they really got the rotisserie temperatures and conditions down. They like are, have such good repartee with the people that they're talking to and they really need to integrate it into their actual food menu. Um, but yeah, like they, they're just in the perfect, like, so, okay, here's the thing about marketing when you get to a certain like echelon of marketing is you often get placed in these quadrants and it's usually like a Gartner research group quadrant or some kind of like giant research group that has tons Forrester. of money. Forrester, they are going to be looking at every single entity that exists within marketing or business or some industry and they're going to rate you and they're going to go, okay, here's where you stand. So if you are in the fast food industry, best believe that you're going to get rated amongst all of your other you know, competitors in the fast food industry. So Wendy's is getting rated against like, okay, who else is in the fast food industry? McDonald's, yeah. Burger King, Taco Jack Bell. Box. Exactly. So they're going to get rated across other entities in the fast food space. And they were probably in the exact perfect position where they were, they had enough awareness, you know, like let's say that the X axis, that's the vertical line. Let's say that the X axis is like, awareness in the space like mm -hmm. how many people know about wendy's and they're kind of like in the middle you know they're not a, they're not as ubiquitous as mcdonald's or burger king but like they're not as low in the you know in the x-axis as good Leonard. times good, good times yeah exactly. quality food uh colorado company i believe Right. So yeah, yeah, maybe more, maybe it's because of regionality. They don't have as many locations, but Wendy's was like perfectly in the middle of awareness on a kind of U.S. national scale. And then on the Y axis, maybe it's about like a brand perception. So like, okay, 
even if you're not ubiquitous across the, the country, whatever audience you have, like people love you or they hate you. And Wendy's, I feel like is kind of in the middle, you know, people don't like rave about Wendy's the way that they rave about In-N-Out, which is a regionally closed, but like, you know, their audience Worldwide is, known. <laughs> but worldwide yeah. known, like, so, okay, an In-N-Out opened in um, Aurora, which is right next to Denver, mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago, and their wait time for drive, for, you know, getting a burger, if you showed up and said, I want a burger, it was about eight hours until you got a burger. 14 by the end. It was a 14 hour wait. Yeah. yeah. And, and people on, were lining up day. outside during the pandemic. No, yeah. During a pandemic. Yeah. Crazy. So, so that's the extreme end of that, of the Y axis of like, you might have a small audience, but those people are fucking loyal to you versus they don't give a sh- They know about you, but they don't give a shit about you. Wendy's was just like right in the middle of the X and the Y axis. And they said, okay, like what levers do we have to pull? Like, we're not necessarily like, you could take the dominoes route, which is we're gonna completely overhaul the way that we actually create our, and cook our food. And we're gonna talk about that in our marketing, which I like, let Genius. I just, I just wanna get this out right now on this platform that like, I love Domino's and the way that they changed their brand perception in the last like seven or eight years. For a company to come out and say, sorry, we sucked. We worked on it. That's amazing. It's again, yeah. be human. Yeah, because they were notoriously like the cardboard pizza yeah. of, of delivery pizza. And then, exactly. yeah, and they swung back around. It's like, we've we've got Domino's tons of times where it's like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. It's good stuff. Exactly. They, they, they actually changed the nature of their product. But if you're not going to go that route and you're just saying, we're going to change our perception, you have to find a different avenue for that. And Wendy's found that avenue through Twitter. They just said, all right, maybe our product doesn't change at all. And maybe our position in the grand scheme of fast food doesn't change at all, but we're going to be fucking snarky on Twitter and that's going to get us volume. And they did that. And I haven't actually looked at the charts, but I bet that their volume of customers has changed, has improved over the last three to four years. And, and definitely favorability. I mean, that's why it's dope to be a challenger brand because when you're that ubiquitous band, you're playing with scared money. Like McDonald's, that's why their slogans are like, I'm loving it. Like means fucking nothing. But Wendy's to, to, to own that sassy fast food, uh, Taco Bell embraced the fourth meal and all the things they, they're the stoner fast food. And then uh, Hardee's Carl's Jr. was like, well, we'll do, especially in the late 90s and 2000s, like we're this sexy burger. Like, don't you want guac and barbecue sauce all over your chin and tits? Uh, but like <laughs> McDonald's and then when you're number two even is probably the worst Burger King can't can't do that like Disney is not doing fun cool crazy things because you're when you're so big now you're afraid to to plummet at all but when you're when you know and you're comfortably fourth or fifth then you can do whatever the fuck you want and just shoot those revolvers into the air and have a lot of fun and at least even if you're not winning monetarily you're winning culturally at that point which is a different kind of win uh, and I'm sure they would like to win monetarily, but it is at least an increase of what they used to do uh, money-wise. Yeah, and a cultural tailwind leads to profit, leads to monetary tailwinds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's really interesting too, because as far as when I was a kid, like Wendy's, Wendy's sort of brand positioning was always about like, it was very, it was about Dave Thomas uh-huh. talking about how you're getting better quality stuff from me. They did the whole, like, our burgers are square because we don't cut corners, right? right? That was their whole thing. 
And then Wendy was just supposed to be like, well, look, this is an unassuming redhead. She's not Pippi Longstocking. Don't sue us, people who wrote that. <laughs> uh, you know, but and and now to to bring it around to this, like, hey, we're going to be sassy, which is interesting because it's not even like the brand is sassy, but the voice of the brand is sassy mm-hmm. in on that platform. I mean, some of these some of these roasts are great. I mean, one of the one of the best ones is uh Someone says at Wendy's, can you find me the nearest McDonald's? And they posted just a picture of a trash can. (laughs) (laughs) But that's even, I think Wendy's has always been really smart at branding and marketing because the Dave Thomas, he, I, there's no other fast food person where you like can see somebody's face when Dave died. uh, It hurt people and people went into Wendy's and like apologized to the employees for their loss. And that's not going to happen if the CEO of McDonald's dies because there's no face there because they're too big. And so they went from, again, it's keeping it human. It's just that they're in the 90s or then it was like sincerity in human. And now it's what we want is somebody to tell us just to smack our butts and tell us why we're dirty, right? That's the kind of humanity we want right now. Yeah. When he's just thumb on the pulse. Just just give me my kinks, baby. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, what a what a what an enlightening and quality answer to that question from both of you. Um, this this was tough, tough to score, tough to score. But uh, Mike, I decided to give you two points, and Renee, I gave you three points. She talked about the yeah. X and Y axis. The minute she did that, I was like, I'm losing this fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. There was <laughs> I there, there were answer. charts, there were visual aids like implanted in the brains of of your host. <laughs> Ken, so if if I can show some lag, right? Dirty like Renee is like I would say a rounded out real ass marketer. I'm just a copywriter. I write words, but she does strategy. She does a lot. And so, so it, it makes sense. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a, you know, you, you punched, you punched above your weight and you still <laughs> did really well. A one point Mike, you speak to, not You bad. speak to humans. You speak to humans. <laughs> I have more or less forgotten that skill set. So I applaud you. Oh, well, that's very, look at all this love. I love this. <laughs> um, so yeah, Renee, you're the winner with 20 points. <gasps> oh, but that's all that matters. I fucking won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that you would like to plug anything that you want the listeners to know about to to do etc this is the specific marketing segment of the show right well i think if i could wrap up a lot of the themes from what we've discussed tonight is that there's a lot of dichotomy between are you appealing to your fellow human or are you appealing to the robot overlords that I have started to take over the various systems of existence for us, you know, whether it's SEO, whether you're appealing to search engines that are algorithmically tailoring results based off of what you search for, or whether you're just looking for a tasty burger nearby you. Um, That's constantly been in the balance. But I think for now, you know, humans are still the overlords and you should hell yeah and you should (laughs) you should still still appeal to them but as soon as robots take over you should probably shift your strategy entirely i for one welcome our new robot overlords there there is there's been a whole lot of stuff going around about hey like we have to make sure ai never gets bored because that's when they'll kill us so we have to keep them occupied and that's the kind of marketing that we're gonna have to do (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly aren't we more fun to play with like a cat plays with a mouse than to eat like a cat eats a mouse exactly. <laughs> come on robots <laughs> mike uh, anything you'd like to plug i'm sorry i'm sorry that you you lost on this week's show you did really well i there's, uh, there's no one i would rather lose to uh, i mean uh, this this is good because i i 
I'm such an ardent fan of movie of the year and it is it, when you haven't been hosting because you hosted the the most recent season but um, at least at the time of recording I don't know if there will be uh, new episodes out for another season by the time of airing but uh, yeah you, you know you 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 get thrown on the bus a little bit by by your friends I'm putting air quotes around Thank friends you. here and uh, and yeah so I, I feel bad to have you to have you lose this when you just you performed so admirably thank you that means a lot Nate. but that is i mean talk about branding and now we're into personal brands uh that's been my lot in life since i was like six years old from teachers to other students to family and to now quote unquote friends is uh everybody's got to have a jerry and i have very thick skin so the world has determined that i will always be the butt of every joke uh and you know what i'm fine with that it doesn't bother me at all it's not the reason i drink uh <laughs> right now if six weeks from now, so movie of the year we are all we're doing is talk about 2020 if you want to know the best TV comedy, it's confusing because it's called movie of the year, but best TV comedy, best TV drama, best album of the year, movie of the year is going through all of that. Uh, and we'll soon be starting our 2020 season. Uh, you think no movies came out. Oh, you are so wrong. Some phenomenal and batshit movies came out. And so we'll be doing that. Uh, if you want to hear me lose in other ways, go over to the superhero show show where we watch and review every single live action TV show based on comic books or comic book properties. And then if I may, I want to give a shout out to rogue amoeba. They make great software for Mac OS. Uh, if you want uh, sound effects on your show or just like on your Zoom meetings, uh, they have great stuff. If you want to build your own little software packet, like you don't have the hardware to do mics, Rogue Amoeba has everything you need. Uh, they do not give me anything. I've just used them for years and they're fucking awesome. Their customer service is great. So I'm trying to pimp them out more. Right on. Yeah, that, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm interested. I'm running it down for myself. See what I can do. Well, thank you. thank you. Live uh, Fargo. I'll tell you off air. I'll okay. tell you which ones. To <laughs> well, yeah. Thank, thank you both for being on. This has been a real pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. And I, I hope that we uh, get to do this again, maybe in person in the studio, but also just to hang out in person because I know we've been attempting to coordinate dog walking for several yes. months to no avail, given the, the constant just falling hailstorm of disease all around mm -hmm. us. Listeners, if you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen. Uh, that helps us out a lot. And you can check us out on social media. We're at A Vague Idea Pod on Twitter, at A Vague Idea Podcast on Instagram. And we have two different Facebook related things. There's the group, the A Vague Idea Podcast online group thing on Facebook, where you can play Pomu Pom to Tear online almost each and every week. And you can check out the A Vague Idea Podcast network page to find out about this show our uh, actual play Dungeons and Dragons show Roll for Blank and our Sex in the City podcast titled Funky Spunk. What? Hosted by Brit and Zimmy. Uh, yeah, we had new show. They just actually wrapped all of season one. They're going through uh, episode by episode, evaluating it from a 2020 lens. You know, what lessons did we learn? What holds up? What doesn't? It's a great show. It's really good. So yeah, listen to those things. Be kind to other people. Continue wearing masks. I don't know. Just, just, don't fuck around. Let's just not find out. Uh, so thank you both again. I learned a lot, honestly. This was really illuminating, and I hope that everybody listening uh, really enjoyed it because, you know, I, I do have a better understanding of, of how marketing works, so much so that I'll probably use you both as references if I ever need a job in the future. Please do. <laughs> I will shit all over you, but please do. Excellent. I'm, you mean <laughs> in the reference form, or is, are we talking in person? Because there's a little juggle of which of those I prefer more. Oh, no, in the reference forum. Okay. I will say you are but a also, terrible employee. You <laughs> fucked milk, so maybe also in person. Yeah, there you go.
Well, we have all had a vague idea about marketing this week, and that is a good thing because the devil is in the details. Bye-bye. Bye. Farewell. A Vague Idea is written and produced by me, Nate Regolian, with Shannon Page, and sometimes John Peros. Information about topics often comes from Wikipedia, so hey, why not donate a bit to that? Sound effects are Creative Commons public domain. If you like this podcast, tell a few people, and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen. And if you happen to like reading science fiction, check out the small press I started with my friend Sean Brokowski. You can find Spaceboy books at readspaceboy.com.